بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على شرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد أيها الأخوة والأخوات today is the day of Juma and I ask Allah سبحانه وتعالى جل جلاله to forgive my uncle Mirza Sadullah Beg Sahab Rahmatullahi who passed away yesterday. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill his cover with noor and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it a garden among the gardens of Jannah and expand it and prevent and, and protect him from the punishment of the grave. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive his sins. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him Jannatul Firdausullah. بغير حساب and the company of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا I ask Allah سبحانه وتعالى for all of this and I ask Allah سبحانه وتعالى for all of this for all of us all of you and for myself when our time comes inshallah and today I ask you also for your dua for my uncle uh, my am my chacha my father younger brother Uh, about whom I just mentioned, Mirza Asadullah Beg. <clears throat> My brothers and sisters, I remind myself and you, the biggest two things. One, that death for a believer is a time of rejoicing for him. For a believer, man or woman, the day of death, the time of death is a time of joy for them, for the man or woman. Because this is the day that they have been waiting for. This is the day that they have worked all their lives for. This is the day that they lived their lives according to the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnah, the method of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They did it for this reason. They did it so that on the day of death, they will meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a state where Allah is pleased with them. So, though we are sad because we have been parted from somebody we love dearly, for him or her, it is a day of rejoicing and day of joy. Like the end of a race, no matter how exhausted the marathoner is, when he or she crosses the final tape, it's a day of, it's a time of rejoicing. Alhamdulillah. As far as the people who are left behind are concerned, we take the lesson from Rasulullah who said that the heart is sad, the eyes will weep tears, but the tongue will say only that which pleases Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I remind myself and you that to wail, to cry, to uh, you know make any kind of that kind of things, uh, to behave in a way which is not in keeping with the uh, not in keeping with the uh, dignity of Islam. is prohibited. So we must never do that. The second thing is that I remind myself and you is 
that this time of death of watching somebody in his last moments of death of life watching somebody as they are dying is and should be the greatest awakener the greatest reminder for the believer to wash the body to shroud it to put it in the coffin to pray salatul janaza on it and to uh, bury it and to stand by the grave all of these are uh, moments of reminding are very important moments where we are reminded that one day we will all pass this way without exception without exception and as i said the true when the believer dies it's a day of rejoicing so alhamdulillah we say alhamdulillah that our beloved person died with iman the tragedy is when a person dies without iman when a person dies without la ilaha illallah that is the tragedy because then a door opens which we must never have allowed this door to open in our lives that is the door of the anger of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so before i go further into this let me just clarify what is the meaning of saying that somebody died with la ilaha illallah or died without la ilaha illallah la ilaha illallah means la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah it just it doesn't mean the one part of the kalima only first of all to understand that when we say ashhadu an la ilaha illallah we are saying i bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship except allah and when i say ashhadu anna muhammadar rasulullah i am saying that i bear witness that muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is the messenger of allah and the last and final messenger after whom there is no messenger to say that somebody died with this or did not die with it or died without it it means that this person believed this in their heart that they said it with their tongue and that they lived their life according to it there are three shurut there are three conditions of the kalima tasdeeq bil qalb iqrar bil lisan wa a'mal bil arkan these are the three conditions the three shurut of the kalima if somebody does not fulfill any one of these three conditions then the person has not really entered islam except the shart the condition of speaking with their tongue this doesn't have to be spoken aloud before a whole lot of witnesses that is the usual way in which it is done when somebody says so and so took shahada they did that in the masjid uh you know um, before witnesses that's okay alhamdulillah it's good but even if somebody just said it by themselves this is alhamdulillah inshallah this is con- this is sufficient but if someone just says the kalima without belief like for example a teacher a non muslim teacher teaching about islam and this teacher says muslims believe in ashhadu alla ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna muhammadar rasulullah so the person has said the kalima but they don't believe in it because they are not muslim 
So there is no tasdeeq bil qalb. There is no belief in the heart. But only they have just spoken it. Similarly, a person who may say that they believe it, uh, they, might, they might even speak it, but they don't live by this kalima. Now, what is the meaning of living by the kalima? The first and foremost shart, the first and foremost condition of living by the kalima is to implement this kalima in our lives, to, to act according to it. And that first and foremost manifestation of that is the salah. Because when I say, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah, I'm saying I, I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship except Allah. So when the time for salah comes, when the time for prayer, for time for namaz comes, what do I do? I pray. Because I just declared there's no one worthy of worship except Allah. So when the time for salah comes, I pray. If I am saying there is no one worthy of worship except Allah, and when the time for prayer comes, I do not pray, then it means that I have said just the words of the kalima, there is no belief in my heart. And this is this belief, since it is not there, it cannot be shown in my actions, which is salah. And therefore, I am not a Muslim. Please understand this. This is not my fatwa. Rasulullah said, Al-Ahadu al-Ladhi baynana wa baynahum as-salah. Faman aradaha faqad kafara. Awkama qala alayhi salatu wasalam. Rasulullah said in the famous hadith, the differentiator, the differentiator, the dividing line, the distinguishing feature, the signature, what separates us from them. Al-Ahad. What separates us, the covenant, what separates us from them? Who's us? Muslims. Who's them? Anyone who's not Muslim. What separates us from them is the salah, is the prayer. The one who refuses it, the one who doesn't do it, the one who uh, who does not pray, who has dejected it, فَقَدْ kafara. That person is a disbeliever. He has committed disbelief. That person is a disbeliever. Now, what is clearer than that? So, if you say that you are a Muslim, but you are not praying, then believe me, stop fooling yourself. You are not a Muslim. You have left Islam. As I said, I am not pronouncing takfir on you. I am not saying you are not a Muslim. I don't even know who you are. I am just saying this is what the Rasulullah said to us. The one who does not pray is not a Muslim. So, the first thing to do with ourselves is to correct our aqidah, which is and to start praying. If you have not been praying, start praying straight away. There are five prayers which are fourth in Islam. Start with that. Make sure that you pray those five prayers. That you never ever miss any of them. It is the easiest thing in the world and therefore there is no reason to uh, miss it. And then we can go further from there. What else we need to do? But begin with this. Because if this foundation is not correct, then the rest of it has no meaning. The second part of believing in the Kalima is earning halal and eating halal. Earning halal means that every means of earning that I have must be free from whatever Allah has prohibited. So, it begins with making sure that you're not buying, selling, 
or dealing in any way with what Allah has prohibited. So any buying and selling of alcohol, of cigarettes, of vaping products, of smoke shops, of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, all, all the all the haram stuff that gets bought and sold by Muslims, may Allah, may Allah protect us from ourselves. All forms of gambling, all of these are uh, haram, they are prohibited means of earning, not fit for Muslims. Top of the line of that, most important of that is to earn, to borrow money on interest, to borrow, take bank loans for whatever it is, whether it's for education, whether it's for buying a house, or whether it's for buying a car or whatever. All of these are haram. Dealing in interest in any way or shape or form is haram. So also, then second part is eating. So earning halal and eating halal uh, is to eat food which you are sure about that this is halal and to make sure is your responsibility. Don't assume, ask. As we know, all vegetables are halal. Are halal. All uh, fish and so on are halal. But as far as birds and animals are concerned, which is poultry and uh, whatever animals you eat, to eat that meat, there are two conditions. One, that the animal you are eating itself should be halal. And two, that it should have been slaughtered in the method that Rasulullah taught us, which is called zabiha, which is hand slaughtered by a Muslim. A animal or bird which has been slaughtered by a machine is haram. It is like eating a dead body. So please don't eat it. It doesn't matter whether it has a halal stamp on it or not. That responsibility to eat the right thing remains with you. And just looking at a stamp without checking, uh, I wish I could say that all Muslims uh, put you know, halal stamps only if they are Zabiha, but they don't. So, therefore, to check. The easiest way to understand that is if you were allergic to something, you wouldn't just take somebody's word for it. That there's, that you are, the thing that you are allergic to is not present in that food. You would make sure because if there is a mistake, you will pay the price. Exactly the same analogy. So, pray five times a day earn halal, eat halal. This is the basic fundamental of uh, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, which is the key to making sure that we uh, live by it and we die with it and then the, the day we die becomes the best day of our lives. And of course, I won't go into the more details of not drinking alcohol and not uh, you know, staying away from adultery and fornication and uh, not committing murder and so on. All of these are, uh, and not gambling, uh, all of these are clear. I don't think anyone has any doubt about any of these. So obviously we should not do any of those. But uh, the thing that people are always seem to be, I don't know why, because uh, that also is a matter without any doubt, which is the prohibition of interest-based earnings and the prohibition of eating non-Zabiha. Uh, but people seem to be always in a state of doubt about that. So let me clarify this doubt. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to enable us to live 
with iman on iman and to die with iman on iman. وصلى الله على نبيه الكريم وعليه وسلم بالمهم برحمتك يا رب العالمين.